All information given in this episode is for educational purposes and should not be tried prior to consulting a licensed physician and or certified state or accrediting bodies. We encourage all listeners to research, talk, and make all inquiries to all of the important professionals and governing bodies before acting on any information heard on the Day Love It podcast. Any action taken by any listener is done by and under their own omission and action, whether conscious to the results, positive or not. To the Della Fit Podcast, 360 degrees of holistic fitness and health, all in one podcast. Salutations and proclamations. It is I, it is you, it is us, it is we. Together, we make up the digital family that is the De La Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Philly's number one son, aka the body alchemist, Sun Moon Bay, bringing you another podcast excursion. Welcome, one and all, back to the 360 Degrees of Holistic Fitness and Health. It is August 14, 2020, and boy, do we have a great show for you. We are going to continue the conversation, the communication that is building bridges within ourselves to help us communicate, to help us learn to feel and to help us uh, communicate with our partners, with our family and our friends. Last week, we spoke with Mr. Mike Cameron. As he told us, or rather he shared with us the tragic and compelling story of the murder of his ex-girlfriend, Colleen, by an ex-boyfriend and how this propelled him into a journey which perpetuated a change within him, which made him ask the question of how. How to change things, how to make the change in society so no more tragedies like this would take place. This change, which originally started for him as the question of something has to change, started a conversation within himself, which was he had to change. And that change was for him to look at himself differently and how he processed his emotions and for him to reach out his hand to other men to help them learn how to properly process and feel their emotions to help them redefine what is badass and I I wanted to thank him again for coming on to the show last week Today, we have another amazing guest, which has also dedicated his life to helping build a culture of respect. 
That is his exact words. We have with us Mr. Mike Damish, who is the founder for the Center of Respect. Their mission is to provide clarity and solutions. They teach precise how-to skills each person can implement for creating a culture of respect every day. Now, I would urge you all to uh, Google the Center for or CenterForRespect.com and learn more about them and how they are creating a culture of respect. Uh, Mike himself has been doing this work for uh, a very long time and a little bit about him is that uh, he has Mike basically uh, has spoken and worked with many of the top leading organizations within our country uh, talking and building and learning about how to create a culture of respect within the workforce so that we can be free of we can start to end situations such as sexual harassment such as uh, getting in situations where there is sexual assault basically understanding that we have to communicate in order to actually know and understand and respect building that respect between human beings mike again has worked with top organizations like the united states department of defense he has been on in or on the wall street journal he has been on nbc he has worked with princeton university organizations like the houston tight texans and many many more all so many more that i can't even begin to tell you i would say again that definitely to google him and look at the work that he's doing because it's amazing work <clears throat> and I want to say first and foremost I'm very proud to have Mike on the show this was as I've told you all before it was an eye-opening uh, conversation it taught me things and it, it, it I'm not gonna lie it put me on the spot for some things uh, that I wasn't quite prepared for but that's learning that's what you do that's what we should be doing all the time. Uh, I once heard from one of my mentors, if you're comfortable, then you're not learning. Because what takes place is that when you're in uncomfortable situations, that you're learning. Now, that doesn't mean put yourself in uh, dangerous or, or uncomfortable situations, but basically uh, to put it in more of a, a training or maybe a physical trainer's perspective, which is where I come from. The resistance has to change for you to grow. The weight resistance has to change for us to grow. And that is the same for our bodies as it is for us in our minds. There has to be a, a level of difficulty for us to change and grow. And that's what this show is all about. So I'm not going to uh, continue this long uh, soliloquy. We're going to get into it, this conversation, this interview with the amazing Mr. Mike Damish right after these messages.
You're now tuned in to the De La Fit Podcast. Welcome back to the 360 Degrees of Holistic Fitness and Health that is the De La Fit Podcast. You know, we've been having a lot of conversation about respect and communication, how to provide the correct communication. Uh, Many of you tuned in last week and heard our conversation and interview with Mike Cameron and how he was helping to redefine badass within men how we can be and understand about our masculinity but at the same time redefine ourselves relearn ourselves and get in touch with our emotions so that we can be better men for our partners for our communication and our roles and our relationships with women and with humanity as well today i have with me Special guest, internationally renowned speaker and critically acclaimed author, Mike Damish. He's going to be continuing the conversation along with us about respect and how to build a culture of respect, not only individually, but within organizations. Mike, how are you today? Well, thank you, Sun Moon, for having me on. I am doing well, all things considered. You know, there's a lot going on in the world right now. So you isn't it my isn't it (laughs) i mean there is just so much going on but i'm sorry go ahead yeah no 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 that's what i was saying you know i know when podcasts are we want them to be evergreen so i try to avoid talking about current current events but uh absolutely uh you know it's taking those moments in that are happening around us and and you know adjusting as we go and adapting and discussing very true very true um I, i try to be the same way and uh always push positivity but you know it's it's difficult let's just be honest right now you know that's one of the things we pride ourselves here when we're talking to our listeners is the fact of being honest with them and sharing the information and conversations that we're about to have right now you know they're they're a part of what's going on out in society and it's 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 rough that's right yeah and you know a lot of what we're seeing in society is a lack of respect of people valuing other human beings very true very true so mike let's let's get into this conversation i want you to to tell us first of all how you got into this work um in the first place yeah certainly was not uh, my intention as a child growing up i didn't dream of being a speaker on respect and creating a culture of respect That's not what happened. What did happen was I was away at college studying and I received a phone call that I have three older sisters. The youngest of my older sisters had been raped and I couldn't couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was outraged. I was angry. I was hurt and I was lost. And over time, I would recognize and realize that I could use my voice to try to make a difference. And that's where this all began. But it came from a place early on of anger. And then I recognized Anger is not 
effective, especially not at engaging everyone. And I want to engage as many people as possible in this. So I realize what we want to focus on is what we want to have happen, the positive. And that's what really drove our work. And that's what we're doing today. We're, we're helping people build mutually amazing relationships. And if you do that, you lower sexual violence, you lower harassment, you lower forms of degradation and disrespect to others. So that's what we really focus on. So you created uh, an organization, um, which I see is called the Center for Respect, which I love the name. I love the name just flat out because it's it's different and it's something that we need. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and what's interesting about that name is it wasn't the original. Okay. So so our organization's actually existed now for 17 years. That name what became our name 2 years ago. So originally I because I was doing so much work in relationships and reducing sexual violence and in dating, we were the date safe project. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So for for the longest time, I, I was the head of the Date Safe Project, the founder of the Date Safe Project, and the more and more we were working with other organizations, the military, businesses, we we're recognizing, wait, that name is not accurate, because we do so much more, so much more than talking about just the dating realm itself. And I'm like, we need to change. And I was sitting in at an event, and I was listening to a speaker, and I'm like, oh my gosh. We're the center for respect. We've always been the center for respect. We just failed to recognize it before now. And that's when we changed the name was over the course of that following year. You know, you have to go through all the work that it takes to do that. Uh, and we became the center for respect, which in my heart, I believe we've always been. Uh, and it's it really truly ad- identifies what we do. That's that's awesome. I like that. And I and it feels as something that we can all connect to way more um, than than your previous name. I, I know I do. The minute I saw it, I was like, ah, I said, this is something that bears looking into. Exactly. And that's what I lo- when I heard when my own mind, I said Center for Respect. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is this is a game changer for me. Like I was so pumped up. And what was amazing was nobody had taken it. There are no center for respects in the world based on Google or any searches. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. That's which awesome. was mind boggling. Uh, there was center for respects four with like four more words. There was one or two of those. That okay. tells you what a void we have on having this conversation. Because that shouldn't be possible in 2017 and 18 when this discovery came. That shouldn't be possible. So, Mike, look. Let, let, let's get into this because the the first place I want to start, um, and I, I I feel almost embarrassed not for myself but for the fact of how many uh, women friends of mine uh, have shared this situation. But I think it's something that needs to start. Let's let's just deal with this right now because um, I have many of my women friends who uh, do work online, social media, especially now more than ever. Uh, they, they, everybody's doing work online and I was sitting down with uh, a couple of them one day and one asked me a question and she said I have to ask you because I know I can as a friend why do guys have the need to share their phallic symbol through pictures she said do you know how many of these things I get on a daily and I was like you know what that's that's a form of sexual harassment 
I'm like, that is a true form of sexual harassment. I'm like, Mike, I'm gonna ask you, why? Why do why? <laughs> why do these things take place? <laughs> well, it's a good question. Uh and and it's one that goes way back. I mean, okay. way back, right? So they've found cave drawings of phallic symbols as the focus. So okay. the this goes way, way, way back. And the idea, much of it goes around, the idea that a man's identity is attached to his genitalia, is attached to sex, is attached. So we've seen this over time, right? Look at movies and everything. Look at the James Bond character, right? The Especially the early James Bond. It was all about how many women wanted James Bond, right? That was, that was the characters. And so it's been in our existence, unfortunately, for thousands of years in some capacity, is this idea that the, our, our genitals, our sexual presence is what defines us as a man. And I'm a big believer in focusing on being a human being versus being a man or being a certain gender or being a certain, be a human being, right? Well, mm. a human yeah. being wouldn't focus on that as their source of identity or power as their sole source, as their main source, if you're focusing on being a human being. Because that's being present for others, being present for your whole self, not just one element. I totally agree with that. And I actually, it's funny that you said that because in a, in a, in another way, I kind of told her the same thing, but that, that has, that's my definition of a man for myself. And I have to thank my father for that. Just the fact of, you know, he was always like anybody, he said, it, it doesn't make you a man to have a penis. You know, it, it doesn't make you a man. He said, your principles and your actions, that's what makes you a man. He said, you were born a male. He said, but if you, your principles of action, that's what's going to define you as a man. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, the only thing I would challenge there is I do think it's when the only problem with when we say that doesn't make you a man that I concerned about, that I've seen the results of in this world is. We can get into this world of what is a man and what's not a man. Mm, and okay. that's super dangerous. Versus, are you a human being? Because if the moment I start to define what a man is, I can leave men out. And they are men. And so part of having the discussion is recognizing that men represent more than any one definition. Women represent more than any one definition. Those who do not identify as male or as a man or as a woman identifies much more than one definition. So I'm not a fan of defining what a man is or what it means to be a man. Let's talk about being the best human being we can be. I am a man who wants to be the best human being I can be. Okay. All right. I, I see where you're going with that. I, 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 it's something I'm growing on. Even even with what it is that you're talking, about, it's just something I'm growing into. Uh, sure. As, you know, because I'm listen. I'll be 40. I'm not gonna lie to anybody. You know, I'm a gen generation Xer. You know, and the world has changed a lot, and I'm learning different things. Even when individuals come to me and talk about pronouns, and they'll say, "Excuse me, your pronoun offended me." You know, even if it wasn't geared to them, it's something I'm learning. You know, it's something I'm definitely learning. So, and I appreciate you sharing that. I definitely do. Yeah. And, and we can, you know, it's in the conversation of pronouns I have in my email signature, you know, it says Mike Damish, he, him, and it says it right there. Right. And every now and then people say, what's that about? And I'll just say, look, I don't want to assume how you want to be referred to. And I want to honor your, your name 
and your identity for who you, you are. And I can tell you this. I find it annoying when somebody calls me Mikey. <laughs> I grew up in an era where Mikey likes it was on TV every day. And so uh. I have this mindset in my head because of that serial uh, that I I just do not like the word Mikey at all. And it, it just makes it cringe a little bit. And I'm thinking that's petty compared to somebody misgendering me. Mm, how that could feel to somebody and how that could be. So I just always remember that if I don't like my, my simple name being said incorrect, or imagine if I constantly called you George <laughs> and, Go ahead. and I knew you weren't George. Exactly. I, and, I totally and so understand. that's what that comes down to. You, you, you know what, um, Mike is, it's interesting because you you segue directly into my, my, I guess my first question is the, how do we begin to have these conversations? Because the truth of it is, is that 100% and, and I, and I, I do not like when I hear individuals try to make a generalization is like, well, we're all the same, but at the same time, we're all not the same. We're all individuals. We're all different. We have similarities. We are as human beings. We like to be treated, I'm going to say, I think generally most of us as human beings like to be treated well. I do believe that, unfortunately, we have learned as human beings in society dysfunctions, whereas we don't all we all haven't had the benefit of being treated well. So we don't necessarily identify with the same treatment. But what I will say is, how do we begin to sit down uh, and proactively to start these conversations. Well, what we want to be able to do is talk about what we all can agree on. Where's our starting point of agreement? And okay. I will start with questions like, does every human being deserve dignity and respect? Definitely. All right. Well, there's our starting point. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like? And that's the conversation. And realizing that another person's answer isn't necessarily about me. Because it can be very easy to make it about me. Now, it could be about me. That's a different ballgame. But I, I don't want to assume it's about me. It could be them trying to figure out themselves. So I talk a lot about relationships. I'll give you a great example. Uh, you come home. Your partner comes home. Somebody's horny. The other one's not horny. Mm -hmm. And it happens. It happens, right? So the person says to you, I, I don't want to have sex. And the person who's horny is like, why don't they want to have sex with me? Well, they didn't say they want to have sex with your neighbor. They said they don't want to have sex. Exactly. <laughs> but, but we make it about us. Right? And it's That's not true. about us. It's about them. They don't want that right now. And what's horrible then is we often do the, well, you sure about that? What could I do for you? I mean, you could just lay there. I'll make it good for you. Right? I mean, people have these conversations, right? <laughs> it's very true. They do. And when I say that one, adult audiences laugh and groan at the same time, like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. And they're laughing because they've heard it before or they've said it before, right? <laughs> and so we all have to be aware this isn't about being perfect. This is about acknowledging what we don't want to repeat that has been a level of disrespect. And it goes back to that concept of respecting the answer so and not making it about me. If my partner says I don't want something, okay, you don't want something. That's, per that's not about me. Right. So I have to respect their answer, not try to change it, not try to get what I want, respect their answer. As long as their answer is not taking away my freedom, my choice of boundaries. Right. As long as they're not doing that, that's really critical. 
I, 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 again, I, I have to say, as I've been in that situation. I never forget, uh, and I'm gonna share it briefly because I want to get to the next question. But you do make me laugh, Mike, uh, because <laughs> I came home at one time. I used to work uh, construction. I was a uh, uh, working concrete, just a laborer. So unofficially, uh, I was a grunt, literally a grunt. All right, just picking up big buckets of concrete, carrying them, boom, and we're shoveling. And I came home one day, and my my then uh, girlfriend, uh, she said, <laughs> she put her arms around me, and I uh, was just like, hey, how was your day? Blah blah blah, you know, whatever, regular conversation. And she wanted to be intimate, and I I, I did the same thing. I was, oh, I was just tired. I I was banged up and bruised up. And I'll never forget how upset she got about that. I'll never forget. And the first thing in my mind that I could think of, if this, the roles were reversed, I would automatically have to just respect her wishes. Like literally just back off. And I'll never forget that. We got in a huge argument about that. And you just brought, when you said that, you made me rethink about it because we didn't talk for about maybe four hours after that. <laughs> so you just reminded me of that that whole situation how we can make it about us right well and i and let's go there let's go even back to that language right that we're taught to say because you said it because we're taught to say it if it, the, the situation had been reversed you would have had to have honored her answer but notice how you and i who are aware and who want to say the right thing said would have to versus would automatically right mm, okay because that language implies it's, it's a bummer that we have to, right? We have to, mm. I automatically would have to honor that choice versus I automatically would want to honor that choice. I and, uh, understand what you're saying. And I'm not saying you meant that at all, but right. I want all of our listeners to catch themselves and go, Ooh, would I have said, I think I would have, I would have said what Sun Moon just said. And mm. why, do, why do we do that? Why don't we say, if you had said that, I automatically would have chose, chose to honor you because you deserve that versus I would have had to because had to like against what I want, I'd have to. It, you, wow. You know what? The fact that you said it. All right. All right, Mike, you didn't did it now. You didn't open up the the, the, <laughs> the, the, the drawer, the Chester drawers and the, and, the, and the treasure. So let's get into that. Where this, this language, this thought pattern is that. Where is that coming from? Is that just from our surroundings or is this how we truly feel? I mean, because you're right. I didn't mean it in the sense of had to like, you know, I'm giving, doing her a favor. It was more the fact of I just know that that's her body. I I need to accept it. That's that's like you said before. But I felt I felt that there was a difference in the whole mentality. So how do we get to this point where we're automatically thinking you're right? You don't, you know, there's not a have to or anything. I accept it back up. And, right. well, and let's, we go, let's go right there. Cause I, this is what I love about this conversation. Cause you, you, I don't know if you've caught it now. You just used a word of 30 seconds ago that fell back into it. You said, because I need to. And I need versus, to fall back. Right. Uh, no, you'd said, uh, you know, I don't do this cause I think she owes me. I did. I made that choice cause that's what I need to do. It's not even need to. I want to. So want, mm. want okay. and choose to are super positive. I choose this option. I want this option, right? 
have to, need to, means these are rules being applied to me. We only say I have to and need to when there's an expectation I'm reacting to versus a choice I'm making that's positive, that I want. And so that language, also imagine being the partner. And I say to you, look, if this had been reversed, I, I would have had to have followed. They're not feeling like you wanted to follow. You had to because that's what society says. Versus if I'd said to that partner, if this was reversed, I would want to honor your voice always because that's a choice I'm making. See, the difference in that language is so beautiful for the partner too, not just for me and how I choose the language. Where do we get it from? Everywhere, right? The, turn on your TV, look at the internet, go wherever you watch. And so much is about pursuing and about getting what we want and our manhood being defined by, like we discussed earlier, and womanhood being defined the same way. It's all around us. So it takes work to be conscious of saying, I choose a different culture than the one that is surrounding me. I choose that. All right. So so the fact that you said that, because you, you're now, now I'm thinking of the language and everything that you're saying, and I totally agree. Because my choice is that, of course, I want to respect. Or I say, I, I should feel, I do respect. Let me say that first. I do respect, all right? And I want to have that choice. Now now you're making me feel extra, extra <laughs> <laughs> about my words. But I see where you're going with, uh, going with this, Mike. So let's reiterate. How do we begin to make this? a habit make this our first and foremost thought in our minds you know because one thing i want to say is i've never agreed with the fact of men are hunters and this gets me in a lot of hot water with my 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 buddies all right and and when i've had these conversations with some of my my women friends they'll say but men are supposed to be a hunter i'm like i don't agree with that i'm like you either like me or you don't like me and I'm sorry, growing up, most of the women I've ever dated, it's funny. Uh, anytime I've ever dated them, they have always said that they plan to date me way before I even thought about them. That's just my experience. So I've never felt like I was hunting. I've felt like I was led to them. So, <laughs> you know, I, I just wanted to put that out there as, as my thought pattern. How do we begin to make these thought patterns that you're talking about? Where's the this is the natural language? How do we how do we start this? Individually, right? So the only way my culture changes is if I'm start being the change. That's it. I can't wait for other people to change for me to change myself. I have no control over them. So mm-hmm. the the only thing I can do immediately is I can make choices. Once again, I can choose the language. I can choose to speak up. A lot of what's happening in our world right now is because many of us complain without making choices to actually do. Hey, everyone. We hope that you're enjoying the interview thus far. We'd just like to take some quick time out to remind everybody to like, follow, share, and subscribe. With every like, follow, share, and subscription, it helps the Daylight Fit podcast to grow. And the more we grow, the more information we can bring to you, the listener. So please take some time out, like, follow, share, and subscribe. Thank you. 
So we're complaining about what's happening in the world. We're making no choices to do anything about what's happening in the world. And I say that when I'm referring to there is people who have the ability to do so. I'm not talking about people who do not feel like their power has been taken away, their voice has been taken away. I'm talking about the people who do have a voice, who do have power, and they're complaining but not doing to change the culture. We have to do. So it starts with me individually with what I choose. And people go, well, actions speak louder than words. Yeah, but words come before actions usually. So they both matter. It's not one or the other. If I, with my words, degrade you nonstop, I don't need any actions to have done harm. My words did harm. One of the worst things out there is this idea that actions speak louder than words. Actually, words speak loudly. Actions also now either confirm or do their own action. They're, they're not, you don't need one without the other. Either, I mean, you do. You can have either one and do harm. And so that's super important for us to understand. I choose my words. Which culture do I want to choose to build around me? It starts with my words. What's the biggest myth that society has around asking first and consent? Yeah, well, then this is what, for those listening, this is really what, a lot of what I do is teach people ask for what you want sexually or don't want sexually, and then respecting the answer, which we briefly mentioned earlier. And uh, there's two really, actually. There is, it's going to ruin the mood. It's going to ruin the moment. Now, I could be speaking in front of large audiences. You know, it could be small groups like 50 to 100. It can be as large as 5,000. And somebody goes, it's going to ruin the moment. And I go, oh, so you've asked. And they're like, no, no, I've never asked. Oh, so you assume it's going to ruin the moment. You don't actually know it's going to ruin the moment. And then someone will say, well, I once did ask, and it did ruin the moment. Well, wait a second. If you asked for intimacy and they said no, it didn't ruin the moment. You never had one. (laughs) And you're blaming the asking for revealing that. Because the fact is, if they wanted you, they're not going to be heartbroken to hear you want them. That's going to feel great. And think about this for a moment. If if the first time you tried to kiss somebody and they pushed away or said, no, you didn't ask, going by how society normally acts. If you were rejected the first time so you would never try it again, nobody or very, very few people would be sexually intimate. You didn't give up because you got rejected. People are not afraid of rejection. That's a myth. People are afraid of their image and their reputation. Mm, Okay. You're not afraid of rejection because if you just go for it, you can be rejected and it can be awful. And that's the second myth that asking puts you up for rejection. Going for it puts you up for way worse of a rejection. Way worse. Right. And yet you still go for it. So you don't fear rejection. You fear embarrassment, humiliation. And you think your embarrassment or humiliation, protecting that's more important than that person's body, their boundaries, and them having a choice. That's messed up. That is messed up. That is truly messed up. So if I'm sitting here going, well, if I ask, it's going to ruin the moment. All right. Well, that's just not true. And here's how you can prove it. Have you ever had a partner walk in the bedroom and say, you're in the mood? You want to have some fun right now? It doesn't ruin the moment. It turns the moment on. Like You're like, let's go. If you're in the mood, that's the best. So That's, that's true. A, yeah. And, <laughs> and we know that. So that's myth number one. Myth number two, if I ask, then they could say no. Yeah, that's the whole point. That's Did you point. actually just hear what you said out loud? If I ask, they could say no, and you don't want them to have that choice? 
those are the two myths that stop people from asking and they're both messed up i know you do a lot of conversation a lot of work with organizations and i want to touch on that it sounds also that we need to have conversation or matter better yet communication with our partners because one thing i have experienced and I, I I do round tables with you know friends and groups. We have we we share experiences. Sometimes it's just a group of guys. Sometimes it's a, a, a mixed group. But it's always interesting to hear the communication of intimacy. That is one of the biggest things that I find that is just amazing um, with individuals as far as what a person expects from their partner. I've seen uh, and been in situations where people or individuals will say, but they should know this is both men and women. They should know. Yeah. They should understand. This is that. And and one thing I've I've always um, said, because I know the people and we're close. I'm like, why do you think that as men or I should say as excuse me, and I'm dealing with a close group of individuals. So we we all know each other's pronouns and we all know how we want to be addressed. But why do you think that we should be uh, uh, what is that psychics? That was one of the first things and a lot of us have shared. And then and it's been vice versa dealing with women. And how do we how do we get from that perspective of you should know? How do yeah. we get from yeah, that? Yeah, stop watching the movies and the films because because <laughs> it has a ridiculous expectation. It does. They walk in a room, they just look at each other, and suddenly they're having all night sex, right? And this is not an exaggeration. This is what you see in the movies. They That's they true. wake up the next day and they just had the most amazing sex ever, right? Talk to real people in long term relationships. How often is the sex amazing mutually, right? <laughs> and they'll be like. Well, this many percentage of the time, and I'm not saying it's a low percent. It could be a high percent, but they also know there's times where they're like, why do we just do that? Because, (laughs) because that happens. Right. Right. And how you avoid that happening is saying, what do you want right now? Just because you wanted that sexual act Tuesday night, doesn't mean you want that Friday night. Just because you wanted it five seconds ago, doesn't mean you want it right now. So being able to have fun with the conversation, what would you love right now? What would you love for me to do for you right now? And if you're sitting there listening going, well, that would ruin it for me. You want to look in the mirror and go, why can't you talk about what you want sexually? Because Mm -hmm. you deserve to have a sexual voice. Now, if you're thinking, well, Mike saying it that way ruins it for me. Well, that's fine. I'm not the one in bed with you. You don't need it to be my way. (laughs) So... Find a way that you can use your voice with your partner. You both deserve it. And by the way, anybody who's been in long-term sexual relationships can tell you how aggravating, annoying it is to be laying in bed next to someone when you're both horny and no one's doing anything because you're both waiting for the other one to start the action. All you had to do was roll over and go, hey, you want to? It would have happened because you engaged the conversation. You know, first, Mike, let me say I appreciate your candidness so much because I, I do feel that the uh, our entertainment media has ruined us. I mean, definitely. I think it has really perpetuated a lot of lies um, to society, you know, if, whether Absolutely. it's 
you know, whether it's uh, about quote unquote what is defined as masculinity, femininity, um, whether it's defined sexually, it's it, it it just has ruined everything. And I'm I'm not a big proponent of um, I guess I, I'm not going to say their names, but let's just say uh, fairy tale movies that are from a very very big company that we all grew up watching. <laughs> no, there is there's a ton of unhealthy imagery in much of what is projected in especially the old style Disney uh, films, right? The the Beauty and the Beast, right? It's just it's there's really 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 unhealthy, right? And by the way, so are mainstream other films. It doesn't need to be Disney. We can pull out any film and have this conversation. The whole Twilight series is so messed up, so uh, unhealthy. The, one of the most famous trouble. romantic movies <laughs> of all time is Nope, The Notebook. Totally unhealthy, toxic relationship. Very true. <laughs> Very true, Mike. I got in trouble with a group of teenage uh, teenage uh, youngsters. And, and I was like, you really think that's okay? And they were like, it's the greatest thing ever. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to let you have that. I'm not going to ruin your fantasy book. But I hope they're listening right now. Here's a professional, you all, <laughs> telling you the truth. Mike, let's get into this. What's the biggest difference when you're talking in front of an audience uh, in our military versus schools versus corporations? What's the difference dealing with individuals per se, uh, who you might be talking to, groups of individuals, but dealing with organizations especially uh, uh, an organization like the military. What's the difference? Well, yeah, we'll look at each of them. So there's one massive difference in the ones you mentioned, and that is corporations, businesses, associations. When we're doing work with them, it's about building a culture of respect throughout the organization. It is not sexually focused, right? That can come up, but that's not the focus. It's about the nine things we all do in the workplace on a regular basis, and that's a, that'd be a whole nother show of forms of disrespect that we can engage in and how to change those choices. That's the business corporate side. Now, what we're doing in the military in the schools is teaching about sexual respect, consent, intervening, bystander intervention when you see something messed up, somebody using drugs or alcohol is one of those drugs, and survivor support. So that's very different work than what we're doing in businesses. People, one of the most common questions I get is, how is that like working with the military then? The military loves this discussion. Here's why. They're us. Our military is a representation of our country. The people mm -hmm. in our military come from our hometowns. They are us. But people have this image of they must be a rough group forgetting they're us. And they're thrilled to have a conversation that gives them skills that can help them stop horrible things from happening to others stop themselves from making horrible choices upon others and greatly improve their own sexual relationships by learning consent boundaries and how to talk. They love it. And so we love getting to work with them. That's awesome. It's good that, that they're so open to the fact of having this conversation. Yeah. Well, here's why they're open. Cause I'm not coming in and telling them what not to do, which is what our world typically does to people. I'm coming in saying what to do, Instead of what not to do. Nobody likes being told what not to do. We're all open to being told what to do if you're going to help me. Like if you can give me one little thing that can help, I want to do that. Right? And that's our approach. That's what we do whether we're helping parents, where we're helping kids, or we're helping 
military or businesses. It's what we can do. What is a challenging moment you've ever had or one of the most challenging moments you've ever had with an audience member? Well, it goes back to your earlier question, actually. And okay. this happened to be a military situation. And one of the individuals in the room at that time that was one of the highest ranking, one of the older individuals in the room raised his hand and said, excuse me, Mike, uh, with all due respect, are you implying that I have to ask my wife before we do something sexually? And I said, oh, he said my wife of like 40 years. And I said, well, with all due respect, uh, is it the fact you don't think your wife deserves that choice or you just won't give her that choice? Wow. Wow. uh, To which he said, touche. He did. He owned it because the whole room was looking at him and he's like, and here's what I follow up with. I don't think you meant to project that because I believe in leading with love. So if in a moment like that, because he that moment he came with a bit of an attitude. So I I did try to come right back and go with all due respect. And then I said, because I don't think that's what you meant to project. And he's like, no, I didn't. Right. And so we have to ask ourselves, at what moment did my partner stop deserving a choice? Mm. And when you ask yourself that question, the answer should be never. Never did my partner stop deserving a choice. If you aren't asking your partner and they're not complaining, it's because of one of two reasons. By the way, if you're never getting constructive feedback ever in a sexual relationship, it's one of two reasons. Either they think you can't handle it, so they don't want to hurt your feelings, or they're afraid of what you'll do when you hear the answer. It's one or the other. We are human. Yeah, that's never good. Neither are never good. So if you've never gotten a complaint, you should go home and say, what's something that you wish I did less of or more of? And if they're like nothing, you're just fine the way it is. That's not a compliment. Just fine the way it is is not a compliment. Say, no, there must be something that you prefer I do or didn't do, or maybe you wish I was doing that I'm not doing. You know, if you haven't had this conversation, ask these questions. If your partner's like, I'm just not comfortable having this conversation, then that tells you you two have a lot of work to do. Because your partner deserves to have a sexual voice and they're not comfortable with that for it could be a multitude of reasons. So we want to slow down and help them gain their voice while we gain ours at the same time. Mike, let me ask you again, and I might have asked this before, but I, I feel compelled to ask again. Because, again, I do feel that there should be a certain amount of not psychic readings, um, <laughs> but you 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 can read emotions and you can read feelings at times what if all right i'm just going to give an example you come in the house you see your partner you correct you want to caress them and kiss them on the neck will this new i don't want to say new because i don't think it's new at all i actually think this is how originally we thought and then we transferred or got sucked into dysfunctional thinking that's my personal view but how do we get into a thing uh, or go back to uh, where we're confident or we know how to interact, how to communicate, but we don't lose that feeling of I'm going to and I'm just going to embrace that spontaneity. I guess that would be the word I'm looking for. OK, so I'll go there. There's almost no such thing as sexual spontaneity. It's a myth. It just okay. is. Most people don't spontaneously do something because they think the other person, they know the other person wants it. It's because they assume the other person wants it. Mutual spontaneity is almost unheard of. 
And so we have to be very careful of thinking my spontaneity is a priority over what they want right now for sure. So in if you want spontaneity where you can just come up and kiss your partner, you two could come up with an agreement. Hey, if I do, when I come in the house, you give me a certain look and I give you that exact, does that mean you want to be kissed? You could have those conversations because you could be wrong. They might not want to be kissed. They might be having a rough day and you're thinking, well, I'm going to do this because they had a rough day and that might just tick them off after a rough day. Here's what we know. Body language will give you a signal. Words will give you the answer. There's a huge difference. A signal's not the answer. A signal you're in the mood doesn't tell me what for. Your words can tell me what for. And so what I can do is discuss our signals with each other, right? And have fun with that. Like, are there ways that you wish I would just kiss you? What's what's a signal that that would represent to you in this relationship? Now that's gonna be them. It doesn't mean you can take it to somebody else. It would be them. But you two would be having these conversations. But here's all we're talking about in the end is looking your partner in the eyes and saying, can I kiss you right now? That's it. It's one second. So this isn't like, you. by the way, totally spontaneous. I walked up to them, looked them in the eyes. Can I kiss you right now? Or I'd love to kiss you right now. Can I kiss you right now? Right? That's spontaneous. This idea that words aren't spontaneous. Spontaneous means not expected. So if I say those words in a moment that's not expected, that's spontaneous and you still have a choice. Okay, Mike. So, you know, I'm going to have to come up with a, a with another one. You you you're getting to that point. You're asking those questions. I feel like I'm I'm sorry. And I feel like I'm at a, 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 a therapist session right now. But I have to ask Mike Coley because you're giving me some really good, solid answers. And I'm sure our listeners are listening, especially maybe a lot of our male listeners. Um, or uh, what? What about when you're admonished? for not taking the initiative of just doing, of not okay. just kissing. That's a, that's a very valid point because the movies have taught you that's has taught both of you that's what a man does, right? And so you have to be able to have the conversation before that happens of why I give you a choice. That's essential here. You wanna go home and say to your partner, I want you to always have a choice. Always want you to have a sexual voice. In the way the movies depict sex between couples, there's no choice. A man pursues and just does what he does and the woman loves it. I don't ever want that in our world. So I want you to know that I want you to have a choice. And if you if you want me to pursue you, know that I'm gonna pursue you by telling you how much I want you in this and making sure you have a choice. I won't pursue you as a way of dominating you. I have too much respect for you. I love you too much. Now, if they're like, I'd like to role play some domination. Okay, let's talk about that. If that's something you want to do, I am not trying to judge people who want to role play different characters. Nope, but here's the interesting part of that. The BDSM community has some of the strictest guidelines in consent you will find in any societal expectation of sex. They don't do what people think they do in the movies, which is just randomly do stuff. They have agreed to what they are comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with, so they can feel safe exploring. You want to feel safe exploring. That's so important. I I understand. I I, I think I understand what you're getting at. And it's, it's really getting rid of the myths that we've been taught. Yes. Getting rid of these myths of what something is versus something else. You know, and and I totally understand that. I, I there's a 
individual I grew up with, very close friend that practices a polyamorous lifestyle. And we were having a conversation and I was uh, somebody else came into it who, quote unquote, thought I'm just going to say I won't say thought. I'm sorry. Pardon me. Said they practiced the same lifestyle. And what was interesting is the fact of there were specific rules, just as you said before, with the um, uh, the BDSM community. I think I said that correct. Yep. Um, there were specific rules put in place uh, that my friend that I grew up with, uh, uh, them and their partners had put in place and a community. And I thought it was really interesting because here was somebody else who said that they practiced the same type of lifestyle but there were no specific rules put in place and not no judgment or anything like that but let's just say after the conversation was over with that individual friend and I that I grew up with kind of pulled me to the side and said that's where things can get murky because individuals there there's a rule there's principle there's there's things set aside and when you have individuals that just come in with things it can get very murky and people start to misunderstand how things are actually working. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent, which here's what's dangerous. Murky is suddenly assault. Is Yes. And so I do something I think you want and you don't. That's not consent. And so what, what happens in our world is people think, well, if you don't want it, you can just tell me afterwards. You can tell me when I'm doing it. You should never have to experience something with your body you don't want done. I sh- you shouldn't have to stop me after I've started. I shouldn't have started. And that's the mindset that's a problem. That, well, if they don't like it, they can let me know. You're already doing it. So the idea that forgiveness is easier than, than permission that is when you're not talking about the harm of another human being's body, you might be able to believe that. Yeah, I don't even know that it's healthy then. But when you're talking about someone else's body, that is a messed up belief system that they can always stop me. I can always say I'm sorry afterwards. You've done something they didn't want done with their body. And so you're telling me their their body isn't that big of a deal. And I believe it is. I believe their body is. I believe everybody is. Now that we know the this information, now that you've given us this information, what about individuals, everybody that's listening, who might feel, you know, how do they go about changing and feeling? Because, of course, they can start to feel like, man, I didn't know I was this type of person or I never wanted that. What, what do they do now? And well, which, one, how should they feel? Yeah, don't feel shame or guilt right now. That's not what we're looking for in this at all. What we're talking about is what our society has taught us to act like. I don't want you to feel shame about what society taught you, what somebody taught you along the way. What I do want us to do is take responsibility going forward. And if you're recognizing behaviors that you wish you hadn't done, then I want you to look in the mirror going, all right, I choose to make these choices going forward instead. Give me my partner choices. Even if my partner says, I don't want a choice, just do it to me. I'm going to say, nope, you're too important to me. I want to know what you want. I'm going to own my choices and my values. Every human being deserves any respect. That means a choice. I'm going to own that. And I'm not going to walk away ashamed of the past. I'm going to walk away knowing that the past has taught me this is what I want going forward. And that's the positive perspective. Mike Domish, everyone. Mike, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today and giving us this information and this eye-opening, awakening information. 
Well, and I know a lot of your listeners are parents. Like by the age group you told me, uh, a lot of people out there are parents. We have a brand new free mini ebook for parents uh, that I think could be really insightful. And that's just at mutuallyamazingparents.com. Mutuallyamazingparents.com. Mike, when, before you go, where can people go to send you questions, talk to you, um, and find out more about you? You can find me anywhere that is Center for Respect. So YouTube.com, Center for Respect. Facebook.com slash Center for Respect. We're uh, tw- Twitter's Center Respect. Uh, the only exception is uh, Instagram, which is Mike Respects. But I'm with the Center for Respect, so you can always just go to CenterForRespect.com. Mike Domish, everybody. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. So I'd like to take the time to thank Mike for coming on to the show. I really appreciate all of his information, all of his his work that he's doing, and uh, for him imparting some eye-opening uh, things for myself. I mean, this is what it's all about, at least for me. It's about becoming a better human being. It's about understanding that perfection is not being without error. It's learning that you're perfect because you make errors and you have the power I'm going to say this one more time. You have the power to change, to adapt, and to correct. That's perfection. Perfection is not without growth. I think that um, one of the things that Mike said earlier is the fact of a lot of what they're doing is debunking the myths that we have been taught. And there are a lot of myths. (laughs) Oh, there's so many myths that we have been taught in our society. So many myths. And when you look at the myths, you find that normally there's some sort of selfishness behind them. Some sort of uh, feelings of negativity behind them. But once you get away from all those myths, you start, start to see the beauty of humanity and its truth. Just like, again, part of what I feel my purpose my job is here is to help debunk the myth of fitness that is just protein shakes and barbell plates it's so much more than that it's so much bigger to debunk the myth of what we have been taught perfection is that it's without error or that there is no perfection no that's a lie perfection is again the beauty of the fact that we have errors which allow us to grow that is perfection because growth is perfection we're all perfect and if you've tuned into this podcast you know how much i do not like when people say oh nobody's perfect or you can't be perfect it's such a cop-out that is such a cop-out we're all perfect we just don't realize how perfect we are and can continue to be when we get to the point where we can actually look at ourselves and say that oh the errors where the growth is ah then we won't be so fearful of making mistakes and when there's no fear of making mistakes that's when you truly can grow that's where you truly can learn and be successful most of the top athletes most of the top business people most of the best uh, or of the 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 most famous people have failed and failed big quoting these words from will smith They fail and fail big and fail often, which allows them to learn. It allows them to learn and allows them to grow callous to the fear of failure. 
Well, guess what? Once we get rid of the fear of failure, we can start to grow and learn about success because learning about being successful is a skill within itself. Some of us are scared of success. Some of us are scared of happiness. Isn't that amazing? Some of us are truly afraid to be happy. Have you ever known anybody like that? No matter what takes place, no matter how many things take place in their life that are good, they always want to look for the bad. Some of us are doing that and don't even know we're doing it. Oh, man. Oh, it's cold. I hate the cold. Oh, I'll be glad when summer get here. Oh, it's so hot. Oh, I hate the summertime. It's so hot. Can't find happiness. Can't just live and be in the moment. I find these conversations like the one that I had today and I was blessed to have with Mike Domish to be eye opening and to be helpful. They're sometimes meant to be uncomfortable. They're sometimes meant to. No, not sometimes. Most of the time, at least for me, they're meant to be eye opening. They're meant to propel and start thought. This is what we need. This is what I feel we need as a society. And I thank individuals like Mike for coming here and sharing their knowledge, their wisdom for the rest of us. If you like what you hear so far, please, please don't be a stranger. Reach out to us. Hit us up at our email, which is DeLaFit13 at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, which is www.DeLaFitPodcast.com. Or if you're a social media guru, superstar, you can find us on Instagram at DE underscore LA underscore Fit Podcast. Or if you're a Facebook wonder, you can find us at Facebook. Uh, you can find us at uh, DeLaFit Podcast. Or maybe you're a Twitter a Twitter fiend, you know, you like to Twitter with your, your thumbs. I don't know. I could, I couldn't think of something that was that good you all for that one. But if you're on Twitter, you can find us at day left fit podcast. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this show. I hope it opened up your eyes. I hope it provoked positive thought. I hope it makes you think or, and I hope it's something that you want to share with others because the more we start to have these conversations, the more we can, again, build and like Mike said, build a culture of respect. As always, please treat yourselves well. Please remember to treat yourselves well. Give yourself a pat on the back. Even if it's just for the fact of you got up today and you took a shower and you got dressed up. Because guess what? There's somebody right now that's having a hard time, right? And they might not be able to get up. And if you are that person that's having a hard time and you're not able to get up, guess what? I'm giving you a a, a clap because you're not giving up. We're not giving up on you. You're still here. And if you're still here, it means there's a chance. Means the creator says, not yet. Not yet. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you all have a great weekend. Be safe. Be well. Peace.
You've been listening to the Delafit podcast. Ta-ta for now.